I'm glad they know. Now neither of them will bring up Carl's name. Myra brings me a mug of tea I haven't asked for and squeezes my arm, but all I can manage in response is a weak smile. It's hard to define our relationship, but we sit on the borderline between colleagues and friends. It is Myra's openness that brought us closer together. The way she talks about her family makes me feel as if I know them personally, and every morning I look forward to hearing the Collins family news. In return, I tell her snippets about my life, or at least I did until now. I was never able to slot the words in between Myra gushing about what a great husband David is. Sophie doesn't say anything, but drops her eyes whenever I turn my head to look at her. I'm surprised by this. She's divorced herself, so is the one person in the office who should know how I'm feeling. I've never been her favourite person. Most of the time my requests for administrative help are greeted by scowls and grumbles. But now I long for her to reach out to me, offer me some words of comfort, anything to show me I'll be okay. But maybe the permanent frown on her face and snide tone of voice when she talks about other people to Myra are a glimpse of my future, the bitter woman I will become. Sophie can't be far into her forties, but she's already given up on herself, wearing clothes way beyond her years and scrunching her hair up into a permanent and messy bun at the back of her head. She's written herself off, and maybe I will be powerless to prevent myself doing the same. It takes me all morning to wade through three weeks' worth of emails, and by the time I've finished, I'm exhausted, even though I haven't moved from my desk. I must have read thousands of words, but now I've closed my inbox, I can't remember a single one. I thought work would be a distraction, but everything is still overshadowed by emptiness. Nothing is the same, even being somewhere unrelated to Carl. I can't do this, I say to Leon, when I find him in the kitchen. I'm not ready. Nonsense, he says, spooning coffee into his mug. He pulls another one from the cupboard, but I shake my head and rush from the kitchen. Ignoring the surprise on Myra and Sophie's faces as I fling the office door open and escape outside, I take a deep lungful of thick, smoggy air and try to control my breathing. All around me, people rush by, their strides purposeful and determined. I am invisible here, part of the scenery nobody bothers to notice. But quickly, the urge to escape the office, and probably my whole life, passes and I begin to feel foolish. I've been back at work for half a day and I can't even hack that. At least it will give Sophie something to gossip about. Just as I'm wondering what to do now I've made such a show of myself, Leon appears beside me and grabs my arm. Come on, I think you need some lunch. He leads me past the cafe we all regularly crowd into for sandwiches and around the corner to a pub I've never been to before. Just in case Sophie decides to go for a walk, he explains. Inside, Leon ushers me to a booth in the corner and heads to the bar to order us food. He hasn't asked what I'd like, and I feel like a helpless baby, needing to be looked after and incapable of making the smallest of decisions. Even though the pub is fairly quiet for lunchtime, Leon has kept waiting so long that I have time to try and pull myself together. I haven't acted professionally today, and even though I've known Leon since our university days, he's my boss now and has to put his business before anything else, even friendship. 
showing any sign of favouritism towards me when he has two other employees to consider won't sit comfortably with him, so he will have to tread carefully. Perhaps he will fire me and is still at the bar because he's finding the right words to tell me I'm out of a job, but even the thought of losing my job is nothing compared to what I have already lost. Leon eventually joins me at the table with our drinks and places a glass of coke in front of me. Three ice cubes float around the top, but there is no slice of lemon. How did you know? I ask. He chuckles. Livia, you've been ordering the same drink every day at lunchtime for four years. I've also ordered you a ham and cheese baguette, no tomato. That's right, isn't it? And now it is my turn to laugh. Thanks, but when did I get so predictable? Not predictable. You just know what you want. There's nothing wrong with that. He takes a sip of his drink, and I stare at